0: thinking about quitting your corporate job to build your own company? Well, keep watching to hear how Lauren pivoted from Goldman Sachs to Stripe to building her very own Leaves benefit startup. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Control Alt Career. I'm your host, Jennifer Ong, and in this podcast, I interview people who have taken a leap of faith And pursued an alternative career path in asia before i get started with today's episode i just want to let you guys know i do have a one-on-one career coaching program so if you're feeling not too fulfilled and not too happy at your corporate job Don't know what else you'd wanna do? Feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Ong underscore or via LinkedIn. I'd love to see how I can help. I am also sharing my three-step framework to help you find your passion. It's a framework that's helped me and my clients in numerous industries from finance, tech, law, consulting, and more, identify and build a career that's true to them. Want it? Check out the notes to today's episode. All right, let's get into today's conversation. I have Lauren Dye with us here, who after graduating from Harvard, started her career as a research analyst at Goldman Sachs. After a couple years, she joined Stripe when Stripe was still relatively unknown and worked across numerous teams from corporate finance to business development. After five years, she then left and started her own company, Cocoon, which is a leave management platform that really aims to simplify the complexities of compliance, claims, and payroll, and to really create a seamless and more empathetic employee leave experience. We had a really, really great chat, so I've actually split up this conversation into two episodes for you guys. In the first half of the episode, we'll be covering the early days of Lauren's career before Cocoon. And the second part, we will be covering her founding story for Cocoon. So what led Lauren to leave behind Goldman and Stripe to build her own company? I'll hand over to Lauren now to share the first part of her story. Um, So welcome. Thank you, Lauren, for coming on to the podcast and and chatting with us today. It's so lovely to to have you here. Thanks, Jan. Super excited. Awesome. So I thought we'd just get started from the very beginning, just talking about you back in the college days. Going to (laughs) rewind all the way back. Um, And I wanted to ask you, so when you were graduating from Harvard, you studied economics. At that point in time, what were you thinking about in terms of your career?
1: Mm, yes. So I went to Harvard thinking I was going to study economics and I did. And I think it's useful to rewind a little bit further, actually, in terms of why I was interested in economics to begin with. And so that starts really from high school. And first time I realized, wow, this is a very interesting area of policy where you could have potentially huge impacts on people's lives. And part of my realization there, I think, has to do with my family being from China and seeing a lot of the changes around economic policy and how that impacts people's lives in a big way and the standard of living changing for, you know, over a billion people in just a matter of a few years and that being driven by economic policy reform. And so learning about that fascinated me. And I saw that as being an area where I could go into from a career perspective and have a huge amount of of impact and influence. And so that was really kind of what catalyzed it. And graduating from college, I was interested in continuing to go down kind of that path of figuring out, is there an opportunity for me to, through finance, through economics, kind of influence how the economy evolves. Me learn about it from a private sector perspective to start. So my first job out of college was actually in research. It sounds very librarian-like, but uh, research an investment bank, I worked at Goldman Sachs. I was covering sectors that were industrial companies. So these were companies that were like GM, Ford, railroads, aerospace defense companies, truly the backbone of the economy. Like I was literally looking at things like coal volume movements and, um, movement of auto parts across the country or, you know, North America, for example, it's worth noting that in the back of my mind, I had some thoughts about starting my own company back then. And this actually has a lot to do with funny enough meeting my one of my current co-founders uh, at Cocoon, Mahima, when we were in college, and so we were actually uh, in the finance world in New York, interning at Merrill Lynch. And at the time, we were interns on the mortgage-backed security trading desk, which was oh, which was a really intense experience. I, I will say. I mean, we were surrounded by mostly former Bear Stearns guys who were pretty intense. And, um, wouldn't say I necessarily was super inspired by that particular role, so to speak, but did end up having this really interesting experience through a startup competition that Merrill Lynch was running that summer where they were encouraging interns to apply for the startup business plan competition. And at the time my, uh, friend, Mahima and I were interns together and it was really the first time we ever were exposed to this idea of, Oh, how cool. You can potentially propose a business plan idea to solve a problem that could impact, you know, thousands, if not millions of people. And at some point people might even pay you to do that. So we happened to win that competition. We got $10,000 in funding from that competition and because of that i was exposed to this whole world of startups and technology that i never really had exposure to before so i'll say that while i started kind of my career out of college in a more sort of economics policy finance track i did have in the back of my mind from that prior experience this idea of hmm there's some interesting kind of like angles of creativity to problem solving that might actually be equally impactful or potentially more exciting for me that I would want to explore.
0: I wanted to just dive a little bit deeper into those early days in in your career. So when you were graduating from school, were you pretty sure what your next steps were going to be? Or was it more, oh yeah, like let's let's see what this is all about?
1: I'd say that I... I was definitely in the let's see what it's about, but the part that I was really excited about was the skill set that I knew I was gonna be building. And so I tried out investment banking, I tried out trading, and none of those really appealed to me too much. But I loved research people. And I think part of it was actually because my dream job growing up was actually to be a journalist. And Uh, A lot of people don't realize this, but being on Wall Street in research is kind of like being a journalist. You're an influencer in a lot of ways. And for anyone who watches CNBC, for example, or any of these TV shows where they interview Wall Street research analysts, it's kind of cool. You're kind of like a celebrity. And people are really listening to what you're talking about in terms of where is the economy going? Where is the S&P 500 going? Should you buy Apple? Should you sell GM? Like that really appealed to me, I think because of the idea of influence and how that could drive a lot of people's thinking. And I also really loved writing. So, and I happen to be, I think, develop a lot of kind of deep love for and, and I think I knew kind of going in that I was very good at writing and that that would shine in the research world. So what I, what I did know going into it was not that I would be in that career forever or even for, I didn't know for how long that would be, but I did know that it was going to be a super, super just, you know, foundational place to build skills around uh, essentially kind of like macro skills or rather skills that are focused on understanding an industry really well. So learning something very deeply on your own, whether it's a brand new industry like aerospace defense or railroads, for example, that I knew nothing about. Um, communication. So being able to communicate really clearly in both verbally and in writing as well. And then analytical skills too, in terms of, building the financial models that underlying your research. And so that was, and the last thing I'll say is actually, which I think is really critical for my current kind of what I do today is client facing skills because research teams, unlike other teams, let's say in banking are very small. In fact, my team was just me and my managing director, as sort of senior analyst, junior analyst kind of structure. And that was a very typical structure where you'd have maybe at most three people on a team. If you are the sort of second person on the team, then something big happens in the industry. Clients are going to, you know, if your boss is not around, clients are going to be relying on you. And so, and the traders are going to be relying on you to help them interpret the news. And so that was a really empowering thing for me because I felt so needed and useful. And in a lot of ways, part of what was really fun about that job was I realized that I love being client-facing and that I one of the things that I really enjoyed was this idea that clients would call me first. I'd be their first call. And actually, sometimes, you know, they would specifically call me instead of my boss because, they knew that I was the one who was deep in the models, deep in the numbers, deep in the finance, uh, the financial model, for example, and 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 you know had probably done done most of the research for these initiation reports and deep dives on the industry and so forth. And so, I started to build these you know great relationships with clients, uh, and and I and that actually led to a lot of things down the road as far as what I love and what I focus on in my current day to day realizing that I really enjoyed that customer or client facing experience.
0: Ah, That's super cool. So it sounds to me like you, it was a combination of being deliberate about the skill set that you wanted to gain from your first job, knowing what you didn't like. So you kind of tested out a few roles and you were like, nah, like this is not a culture fit for me um mm-hmm. and also you know really then honing in to see like what is it actually that you do enjoy and that's then helps you to define your goals today even um mm-hmm. at at your own company totally
1: yeah yeah i think i think it was a lot more kind of interest in developing certain skill sets and versus knowledge that this would be my future end all be all career
0: Mm, that's really interesting. And so I know that you then moved on and actually worked at Stripe for a period of time. So I wanted to get your thoughts on what, what, like what made you decide to leave Goldman behind and why did you decide to move to Stripe? Because I know actually when you joined Stripe, that was before Stripe is kind of like the behemoth that it is today. Um, and so it was more even like a startup kind of environment uh, when you first joined. So what what were you thinking at that point? Gosh, yeah,
1: it was a very exciting and at the time felt incredibly risky kind of move. Where most of the people I told about Stripe were like, "Never heard of this company. Not sure why you're leaving Goldman." The, with the exception of the um, one of my mentors uh, at Goldman had was covering the tech industry, and he was like. Oh, so cool! Like you're gonna have all this fun, <laughs> and so I think he was the only person who had heard about Stripe. But um, I guess in terms of what kind of drew me drew me to make that move, it really goes back to that that summer when I actually met my now current co-founder um, of Cocoon, Mahima. You know, we were 19. We were, we were totally clueless. You know, sophomores in college, essentially. And, but we just knew that we were super not satisfied or intellectually stimulated by what we were doing at the time. And so because of that, we just, we got super into this, this startup idea. And as a result of winning that competition, the next year when I went back to Harvard, I, it it happened to be very serendipitously timed where Harvard was actually investing a lot in their kind of startup programs and innovation programs, so to speak. So that year, I think it was 2010, uh, Harvard opened its innovation lab, the iLab. And what that meant was the whole thesis around it was that what was that we bring together people from all over the university, whether it's business school students, undergrads, design school students, PhDs, you know, people from all over divinity school, even people from all different disciplines, and have a hub for people to create ideas and start companies. And so because of my experience that summer winning this Merrill Lynch competition, I became very involved in the iLab the first year Harvard had it. And they, for the first time, were opening up this Silicon Valley trip that was traditionally for Harvard Business School students only to anyone from the university to apply. And so I was kind of on this kind of fever pitch of creating a company type of situation coming off this summer. And because of that, I applied to this program, got in, was one of the few undergrads with a bunch of business school students and, and, a, and a select few PhDs and Divinity School students and design school students who got to go to Silicon Valley with um, these amazing Harvard Business School professors. And we visited a ton of, startups, we visited a ton of VC firms. It was my first time ever in Silicon Valley in San Francisco, period. I had never been to this part of the country before, and I was just completely blown away. So the thing that struck me that was completely different than my experience back East Coast, where I grew up and where Harvard's based, was that people's attitude towards what I traditionally interpreted to be failure completely different, where, you know, I would meet these founders who had started companies and then the company failed, so to speak, didn't necessarily work out. And they'd get these awesome jobs as PMs at Facebook or Google. And I was like, wait, people want to hire you after that? And, and it was just so interesting, this completely different mindset. And also the mindset that Every everyone's first reaction to an idea was very much how can I help you and how might that work as opposed to here's 10 reasons why that wouldn't work the first thing people would think of is like oh gosh I connect you to this person that person this person knows about that and hey what about the other person and that was just a super different environment than I had ever really been used to from the east coast and and that creativity and that That different attitude towards what I think a lot of people traditionally interpret as failure was what had me thinking, even as I was going to my job at Goldman out of college, that, wow, someday, however I get out here and whenever I'm ready, I want to be in Silicon Valley. And I think I, you know, still want to pursue this this dream and this idea of starting my own company, um, that was seeded from, you know, that summer we won that competition. And so what was cool was that I had a friend who was one of our early salespeople at Stripe and he reached out and, you know, we stayed in touch from college and he was like, Hey, you know, we're building our finance team at Stripe and you'd be amazing. You know, you'd just have a huge impact with your experience from Goldman. And so I kind of took a leap of faith and started exploring this. And at first, I, I honestly, to be honest, I hadn't barely heard of Stripe myself. Uh, I asked Peregrine, my husband, I was like, have you heard of Stripe? And he, he's a developer. So he was like, oh yeah, Stripe. Stripe's great. And then I started listening to a lot of YouTube videos and of Patrick and John, our founders, and I was like, wow, these people are brilliant. How do I work with them? And so I got to know you know, some basic things like, okay, what is even the difference between Stripe and PayPal, for example? And like, why is it that Stripe is doing pretty revolutionary things? And why is there so much buzz around it in Silicon Valley and among developers? And then that eventually kind of brought me out here to Silicon Valley. I interviewed, loved it. People are just so brilliant and And just so kind and and so it it was this it was this just like i guess magnetic draw where i was like wow i need to be here and it was a hard decision both career-wise you know where it's like wow goldman such a cool opportunity right but also personally to be honest because peregrine who's my husband or now my husband back then um we had a i think we were maybe dating for two years or something like that And so, but we were pretty serious, and so it was a risk to think that, oh, you know, let me leave my job at Goldman, join this startup, you know, and a lot of nobody I knew really had heard of it except for a couple of people, and and so it felt risky. I was taking a massive pay cut too in terms of um, cash compensation, for example, and um, and I was moving across the country, right. And I was potentially risking this personal relationship too, which mattered a lot to me because I wasn't sure if it was going to work out long distance. So that all factored in, but ultimately I was like, you know what, this is such a, you know, a big part of what I think my dream could be that I'm going to try it. And I remember talking to a lot of mentors about this to get advice. And one of my mentors who had run the Silicon Valley trip was like, uh honestly, like the, the personal part was a big hurdle for me. She was like, if you're the right, if you're right for each other, you'll make it work. And I was like, okay, cool. Leap of faith. And so ended up out here and um, uh, was at Stripe for almost five years, which was such a blast.
0: That's amazing. And I'm sure... Like, as you said, it was not at all an easy decision um, around around this. And I think looking back, it's like, oh, yeah, obviously, like nowadays where Stripe is today, I think it was like, yeah, no-brainer, obviously would go to Stripe because it's another, you know, big name, established player, probably would, you would probably wouldn't even need to take a pay cut at at this stage of where Stripe is. Um, But at that point in time, were you also considering other options? Like, were you also looking at companies that were, maybe more on the tech side, but more established, and you chose Stripe as opposed to these bigger companies?
1: Yeah, you know, that is a great question, yes. In fact, I was looking at a a range of options. So I will admit that my heart was really tied to Stripe, mainly because having obsessively watched a lot of YouTube videos of Patrick and John speak, I was like convinced that they were geniuses and that they were just so brilliant and I wanted to follow them and, and learn from them. That being said, though, talking to many of my mentors, they convinced me that I should, you know, give myself a breadth of exposure to make a decision, to ultimately help me make the decision. So um, I at the time had interviewed with two other companies. One was LinkedIn, which I was really, really excited about because they they had a mission that I really resonated with, I think similar to Stripe, where I was very you know my background's economics right and so i was very interested in economic opportunity jobs starting businesses and so what drew me to stripe was this idea of wow how do you reduce the barrier to entry for startups right entrepreneurs who are starting businesses creating jobs for other people for the first time and then linkedin fascinated me because it was all about helping people find jobs and so i uh, had gotten to know actually funny enough through the same friend who introduced me to stripe the head of LinkedIn's Corp Dev team, this incredible woman Emily Choi, who is now the COO at Coinbase, and um, and, and by the way, like remained a mentor of mine for years after interviewing with her very briefly. It's Just like the amazing person she is, so, yeah. So, so that was actually um, a really great opportunity for me to compare very different stages of company. At the time LinkedIn, I think, was still a private company that hadn't yet been acquired by Microsoft. It was at the time sort of like a late stage later stage tech company, more mature, very, very exciting kind of like Corp dev team and super admired you know Emily. and then that was that I was comparing that to this much kind of riskier early stage opportunity. Um, but it gave me this kind of like book ending of, OK, mature company versus um, mature company, so to speak, versus kind of like more startup um, and from that perspective. And then the other thing that was really interesting was my mentor who ran the Silicon Valley trip for Harvard Business School, Allison Wagenfeld, who is now um, uh, she's amazing. So she's currently the CMO at Google Cloud. Before that, she was actually running, um, she was an operating partner at Emergence Capital, which is an awesome VC firm here in the Valley. And um, she introduced me to this really cool opportunity to actually almost bring my research skill set to Emergence and sort of like that journalistic lens where um, for, for those of you who follow, for example, like A16Z and some of these VCs who produce a lot of content, a lot of venture capital firms are trying to build their brand through content and thought leadership and so they were fascinated by my background in research and you know part of the idea or the pitch was hey come and kind of create this content arm <laughs> for emergence um and then maybe use that as an opportunity to get to know a bunch of startups that the comp that the you know the firm was investing in um, and then that could go into a lot of different paths from there and so I actually had this, well, I think thanks to my mentors, they encouraged me to interview at all these different types of opportunities that were very different from each other. And I actually had much more confidence choosing Stripe because of that, where I was able to be very confident in, okay, I've, tr- I've, I've talked to the big company or big company LinkedIn, and I've interviewed with the tiny company, tiny company, Stripe was maybe like 400 people at the time. So not tiny, but, um, relative to Goldman, <laughs> certainly. And then, uh, you know, venture capital, which is more of like, almost like a, uh, almost like surveying the industry, so to speak. And I was... In my heart, I knew that where my passion was and, and the people that I really, really, really wanted to work with were the folks at Stripe. And, and I, I just so wanted that early stage experience. Part of it knowing that I perhaps wanted to be a founder down the road and being able to be close to brilliant founders like Patrick and John kind of giving me that, you know, how do you say, almost like being able to shadow them in that way was just such a draw. And, but I'm very grateful that my mentors encouraged me to interview at a lot of different places because that enabled me to say, okay, I'm confident that regardless of whether this works out or not, this was the choice that was right for me.
0: I'm interrupting my very own episode to let you guys know that I have a one-on-one career coaching program designed to help you go from lost and frustrated with your corporate job to living and crushing it in your dream career. Do you feel fulfilled and unhappy at your job despite landing this perfect, prestigious, perfect on paper job? Are you great at chasing and acing other people's dreams but have no idea what your own dreams and goals are? Well, if this sounds like you, I am sharing my three-step framework to help you find your passion today. Want it? Check out the show notes to today's episode to download the free guide now. All right. Back to the episode, you, you you kind of picked based off of where you saw it would help you the most in terms of your long term goals, and I think for you, your long term goal of setting up a business was quite strong, and so then that made this decision a lot easier. Even though you know, even though you, you know, when you mentioned emergence, I was like, oh, that sounds so cool because like you know, you really loved journalism, and you thought that that could be pretty cool. I thought that that would definitely be like a role that could could be really enticing but i think your long term vision for yourself of starting a business was what helped you decide between these three roles and made the decision maybe slightly easier <laughs> i think so i think at the at the end of the day i knew
1: that i wanted to be building a business but the thing that i couldn't quite shake was this idea of opining on people's businesses i mean not exactly their businesses more so whether it was a good investment or not, which doesn't have, isn't exactly, is this a good business or not, but they're related in some way and wondering, wow, what do I have to say about this company when I've never actually run a business before and, and wanting to be on the other side and wanting to try that and actually understand what is it like, what makes it hard. And so that was part of it too, was just this craving of, I don't just want to be analyzing people's businesses. I've done that already. I want to actually try running a business um, and try building something. And even better if it can be from the ground up, from, from from like a startup perspective.
0: And at that point in time, did you feel like if the role didn't, let's say, like if your friend didn't introduce you to Stripe or if like these roles didn't come about, do you think you would have left your role? or was just really like more so um that this was like a really exciting opportunity and then you're like okay like let me do some research and see if i would want to do this
1: yeah i would have because i just knew that there was part of me that was really really craving that creativity of starting something on my own having tried it not not because i knew from birth in any way i'm definitely not one of those people who's like i pop out of the womb and i was like i'm going to be a founder no had no idea about that whatsoever it was very much that I had this experience that was, you know, very incrementally built up from, wow, the startup competition that I happened to win and then going with Harvard to Silicon Valley, meeting all these cool founders and like, all these incremental experiences that built up to me being like, oh, interesting. This is something that I think I, you know, th- that might be an experience I would want to try myself at if, if I hadn't gotten that opportunity from, from Stripe, I would have been looking for, and, and I think the reason that I got it, my friend reached out was because I was open and I was looking as in, it wasn't like it fell into my lap. Exactly. It was more. So in fact, part of the reason I had interviewed at LinkedIn was because I interviewed with them the previous year and it, I, I, and um, I hadn't actually gotten an offer that time where they were like, you're cool but we're going to choose this more senior person who's more, you know, established and so forth. And so, um, I had been blessing in disguise. Yeah. Um, I had been actively kind of like on the lookout for opportunities to get myself out to Silicon Valley. And a lot of it comes back to the culture of when I visited here with Harvard, I was just so struck by how different the culture was compared to the East Coast in terms of this mindset of anytime someone had an idea, this idea of like, wow, that is totally possible. And let me connect you to five people who can help you on that, as opposed to why would you even consider that? Because here's five reasons it would fail. Um, and, and so I think I was definitely actively searching. And I think if it it weren't Stripe, it would have been something else. Mm.
0: So I guess over the course of five years, I know you did two different jobs. You started off in like a corporate finance role and then you moved into like a business development role. Maybe talk to us a little bit about your experiences at Stripe and also what made you decide to leave to start your own thing? Because I know that that probably was Mm. also another big, big decision.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of this builds on the theme of incrementality. So when I joined Stripe, I joined our corporate finance team, um, which was a combination of essentially corp dev. So for example, M&A, as well as strategy. So things like figuring out as we were launching our first products that were beyond the core payments API, things like fraud detection software, for example, or billing software, how to price and package those things and help Stripe grow. And we also worked on um, very excitingly and relevant to becoming a founder fundraising. So I got to work on our Series D, for example, which was so fun and met some really incredible people through that experience. And that um, was the perfect role for me a lot of ways coming from Goldman because it enabled me as someone who was this complete noob to the world of technology I didn't even know what an API was. Like, literally, did not know what an API was, and and you know, have impact pretty immediately. Where even though I was a total uh, novice, had no idea basic things about even the industry we were in. Uh, you know, I was able to have a lot of impact in the area that I was an expert in, which was finance, and so. That made me feel really good because it's almost like you could, you're you pivoting, but you're pivoting with one leg still in the thing that you're really good at. And so that um, that was actually a great landing pad for me. And I also knew that I didn't necessarily wanna be in corporate finance or corporate strategy because ultimately, uh, long-term so to speak, Ultimately, the reason I moved into an operating role was so I could operate, so to speak. And so I wanted to do something um, related to building the business in a non-strategy-only way. The strategy is always cool and sexy, but ultimately I wanted to be the person implementing that strategy too or try that. And so this actually goes back to my experience at Goldman where... The thing that i really missed when i was in my my corporate finance role was the client facing aspect and having those customer experiences and so i was lucky that i at the time was working on these strategy products related to launching new products and pricing and packaging these new products and so i worked really closely with our um now head of north america sales jean dewitt on those strategy projects And so we developed this great relationship. And I was like, hey, Jean, I'm really interested in being in sales because I know that I love client facing things and I think I can bring a really different analytical lens to it. And so she was like, cool. And I think because Stripe was so young still, it was relatively easy to pivot into these unusual things. I don't think people move that much from corporate finance roles to sales roles anymore but at least in the mature version of the company, maybe. But back then it was like, oh, cool. Like this smart person wants to try this other thing and she has a relationship from a, or, you know, the sponsorship of a mentor. Awesome, cool, come along to this new team. So that's how I ended up moving into sales and then later into partnerships and and BD.
0: Okay, so again, it seems like it's really quite incremental. Like it was like, that was my ultimate goal. I want to move there. Let's see how we can get myself there. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And it was definitely not the kind of thing where I was like, oh, I for sure know I want to do sales. I mean, I knew nothing about sales. I just knew that I was, I I missed and I was pretty good at being client facing. And, um, And so I moved to sales and the gosh, that was eye opening. Probably the number one thing I'm glad that I did before becoming a founder is doing sales And not to mention that, but I, the thing that I uh, started at Stripe was our cold outbound sales team, which is probably the most important thing to do as a founder, um, is outbound cold outreach sales. Um, Once you start to do that, and once you've had some success there, then I think that's when I got the confidence where I was like, oh, I can start a company. I am ready, so to speak, to start a company.
0: Any tips around, you know, cold outbound sales? Cause I know that that is really a a whole nother skill.
1: Yeah, I think on the sales side, I would say, you know, while cold outbound sales is kind of like, um, I don't know if I would call it a misnomer, but I'd say um, I would categorize it a little bit more broadly, which is you're really just going, rather than waiting for people to come to you, you're going to them, right, with ideas it's almost like being a consultant, right? It's like you're going to them being like, hey, you didn't even think that you think of this idea yet, but I thought of an idea for you, which is this, that's going to make your life so much easier and so much better. So I wouldn't even say it has to be cold. It's more just that it's really about who's initiating the outreach. And so um, at the time, Stripe was kind of having a lot of success with smaller companies and startups Who were just coming in inbound which is amazing i mean like any business, who gets that level of inbound is incredible and then what we wanted to do was build a business that would help us basically break into the up market kind of mid-market up market and get access to those via um, outreach you know people weren't inbounding to us so we had to go to them and so um i think my biggest advice there is is one just do it because it's going to be the number one thing, well, in general, like if you want to start a business, like do sales, do cold outreach, do outbound, um, it'll, you'll just learn so much from it, um, and you'll develop really thick skin, which will be helpful for all the trials of, of starting a company. And then I would say the other thing is, I wouldn't think of it as necessarily cold. I think of it as, how do you leverage every single resource at your fingertips, right? And so for me, when I was doing even, you know, cold, cold quote unquote outreach at Stripe, the way that we did it was very systematic, which is, and the same thing was true of Cocoon and starting Cocoon as well, is we didn't try and go to the completely most cold places in the world, so to speak, like where we have no relationship. The places where we started were, where could, where do I have a relationship, right? And where can I pull on um my pre-existing relationships and how do i target companies and really customers in a really specific way in that sense and so um as an example something that stripe was doing at the time was targeting companies that were platforms so companies that uh were software for certain industries like let's say software for travel right like um fair harbor is a good example of this they're a software company that makes booking software for like um, kayak companies or companies who are helping to do, you know, walking tours in a city. Any any business that's running a travel business essentially. And so we saw we were having a lot of success with these vertical software companies and pitching them this idea of hey, if you could actually convince your small businesses that are using your software to process payments through you, you could really expand your business. Think of this as like Mind Body is another example, right? Like the software for yoga studios, for instance, and like, oh, well, not only could your yoga studios enable people to book their yoga class online, but they can buy their memberships online too, for example, through using Stripe, let's say. So we had this pretty strong hypothesis. And so as an example of cold outreach, essentially what we do is build these very data-driven lists of very particular specs of types of target companies. And then from there, you know, slicing them by what's the lowest hanging fruit, right? Like, among these companies that we hand, we sort of like, in a very data-driven way, curated, who do I have connections to who I can leverage to get an introduction, right? Or um, how do I, like, what's a way that I can target them um, that resonates, that's very, that's very much, even if it is cold, that feels very targeted and specific. Uh, and so I would say that the key to kind of cold outreach or outbound is not so much whether it's cold or not, it's more just, in in most cases, the best cold is actually warm, <laughs> but it's um, really being smart about targeting and picking off the low hanging fruit first.
0: I, I I love that, I love that. And there you have it, the first part of my conversation with Lauren. Here's a couple key takeaways that I got from this conversation. One, a career is oftentimes an iterative process. Lauren learned more about each job and about herself in every new role that she took on. Sometimes what you think is your dream job may not actually be what you thought it was. That's why it is so crucial to test drive it. Lauren originally dreamed of being a TV anchor, but then realized the elements she loved about the job could also be found in building a company and that she actually enjoyed building a company much more than being a journalist. Number two, explore your options before making your career decision. Even when she was considering options after Goldman, she interviewed with different companies of varying sizes and researched them thoroughly before committing 100% to Stripe. Number three, take the opportunity to learn the skills necessary to start your own company while you are working at other companies. Lauren took the skills she learned from Stripe, Goldman Sachs, and even her internship with CCTV and founded her own company. And that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Control Alt Career. Check back next week for the second part of my conversation with Lauren, where we discuss everything about founding a startup, from getting your first client to fundraising, hiring, and many more. And if you liked today's episode, do share it with two friends who maybe aren't so happy with their corporate job and need a little extra inspiration. And if you're interested in getting some career coaching, feel free to reach out to me or follow me on Instagram at ongjennifer underscore for more career tips. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. I'll see you guys back here next week.